pick out on that spectrum where we are. Now, something else that we've also mentioned before is <clears throat> easy times produce weak men. Weak men produce hard times. Hard times produce strong men. And strong men produce easy times. So there's this cycle that you can kind of see. And we've talked about these things before. Um, and not everybody's been here. So I do just want to kind of reiterate this real quick. In, in, in Genesis, God tells us that the stars and the moons and all this stuff is for seasons and all this stuff, right? Here's time. Because you got to think, before, before God said, let there be light, right? Even before all that stuff, you don't have time. God is outside of time. And so when he says in the beginning, it's not his beginning, it's our beginning. And so he's outside of time. But before he could say in the beginning, there's time now that he's added to this, right? And of course, we always talk about and we study the Bible as a timeline. That's really what it is, right? Now, in Genesis, we find out that there are seasons, right? We've talked about, we've talked about these before. Um, you've got winter spring, summer, and fall, right? And we've talked, about, we've talked about these things before. And, you know, normally what you think of spring, you're kind of young, 0 to 20-ish, something like that. Summer, you're like 20 to 40. Uh, fall, 40 to 60. So I'm in the fall of my life. And normally what happens is in the fall of your life is when you do the most work. And it's really interesting because this is something that happens over and over again. Here you don't know anything. You think you do, but you don't. <laughs> Between zero and 20, you've not lived. Um, and it's interesting because I have conversations with the kids. They're like, oh, well, we should have done I mean, You have no say in anything because you've not lived. You've never been outside Frankfurt. You don't know what the rest of the world is like. You don't know what Lawrenceburg is like, much less the rest of the world. So you can't, okay. 20 to 40, you start taking some things and doing stuff with it. 40 to 60, you start actually producing things. And then 60 to 80 would be the winter, right? And we've talked about those things. We've also talked about as far as like the, the church, right? And of course, like I said, the church assembly here, we're, we're in our springtime as an assembly. Like I said, we've only been meeting here for almost five years. So we're still in the, here in the springtime. But then there's also stuff that, that we can get into dealing with this, this cycle. And what we know is these things always follow suit, right? Well, we're, we've just come out of the winter. In fact, last Sunday was the first day of spring, right? So what is it that you do in the wintertime is you try to figure out what are we going to do in the spring? right? What do you want to, like, if you're a, if you're a, if you're a farmer, you're thinking, okay, what am I going to, what am I going to plant next year? That's what you do for the winter. After harvest through winter, you figure out what am I going to plant next year? Um, then you start doing things here. You're going to reap what you've sown over here. Now here's what's interesting. I'm 45. I'll have to be 85 before we see the fruit of what we've done here for the first five years. 
Longevity is the issue. Godly generations is the issue. What we do here, I may never see what this produces until glory. That's a sobering thought when you start thinking about that stuff. Because you can put all your work in whatever, but you may, you may not see that fruit. But guess what? You know it's going to produce fruit, so what do you keep doing? You keep planting it, you cultivate it, you, you, you take care of it, water it, do all that stuff, and then you hope that the Word actually sticks around with the people and it produces what it's designed to produce, which we know it will, right? Um, so those are things that we've, we've talked about before, and some of you all haven't been here for that. And so I wanted to be able to put this in your thought process as we go through, all right? Springtime, like I said, if you're 0 to 20, you're kind of taught by your parents, here's my values. When you get down here, you start testing those values. Do I want to follow those values or not? When you get here, you're now living your values that you've tasted and you've gone through and you've dealt with, and you may have gotten rid of some that your parents had. That's that culture decline that we were talking about, right? Well, when you get here, that's when you've got your, your grandbabies and you're trying to teach them your stuff too. So there's, there's all these things. Time is cyclical, but it's also linear, which is kind of strange. You know, time, time goes this way. I'm running out of ink on this thing. So time goes this way, but within that linear, there's these cycles, right? Now, that's kind of what I want us to be able to have in that, well, not kind of, that is exactly what I want you to have in the back of your mind is the framework for what we're going to do through the next little section for this series, all right? <clears throat> so, when, when we look at these generations, this is where I want to start off real quick. Let's go to, let's go to Romans chapter 2. That's good. Thank you. Let's go to Romans chapter 2 and we'll get started. <clears throat> Romans chapter 2, verse 14. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these, having not the law, are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we had to study your word. And as we take a look at this um, information, may we be mindful of the culture in which we live and understand that Unsaved people are going to act like unsaved people. And we have to be able to learn how to deal with folks uh, wherever they are. And as we go through this series, our goal is that we would be mindful of that and we learn from this to be the ambassadors that we've been sent to be. Um, to the praise and honor and glory of your grace, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So one of the things that's really interesting here, so this is on the heels of, we got to talk about this real quick. 
Um, and I understand I've already got some stuff up here. But what I want us to understand is when you go back to Genesis chapters 1 through 11, um, that scripture covers about 2,000 years of time. The rest of that book covers about 350 years. To me, I find that interesting. 11 chapters for 2,000 years. The rest of Genesis, 350 years. That means there's a lot of stuff and a lot of details here that we need to kind of pay attention to, right? But I also want us to think about what happens in Genesis chapter 12. Abraham's set aside, right, by God. He says, get thee from thy kindred and from thy country, and I want to go to, I want to show you a place, right? Of course, it's Abram at the time. But what happens is, back here, and we'll see some of these things, you have Gentiles. Real quick, go back to, go back to Genesis really quickly. Chapter 10. Genesis chapter 10. And I want us to think about some stuff. Now, what's also interesting is you've got to think, where are we in Genesis chapter 10? There's also a lot that's happened, right? <laughs> you've got creation. You've got, um, we talked about the last time about at some point God created these stories in the heaven and in the earth. We talked about those positions. There was some particular time that that happened. Um, you've got the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3. Uh, Genesis chapter 6, what happens? You've got the flood, right? The world is so bad, God floods it and saves eight people. Those eight people trust what God said and they get on the ark and they're saved. Then what happens a little bit later on in Genesis chapter 10, notice this. Verse 1, let's start off in verse 1. Now these are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, and Ham, and Japheth. And unto them were sons born after the flood. The sons of Japheth, Gomer, and, and Magog, and Madai, and Javan, and Tubal, and Meshach, and Tyrus. And the sons of Gomer, uh, Ashkenaz, and Rephath, and uh, Tagormah. And the, and the sons of Javan, Elisha, and Tarshish, Kittim, and Do, uh, Dodanum. By these were the isles of the Gentiles divided in their lands. So... What we find out that's really interesting is during this first 2,000 period of time, you've got here we come up and we've got what? Here's how the isles of the Gentiles were divided. I find that interesting. What happens is two chapters later, we've got Abraham is called out and God says, I'm going to separate you from the Gentiles. And one of the ways he does that is over in chapter 17, he gives him the circumcision, right? So that's an interesting thing as well that takes place over here. But um, notice, drop down to drop down to verse, verse 8. And I want us to be able to see this. So, well, I probably should finish that verse, shouldn't I? By these were the isles of the Gentiles, verse 5, divide, verse 5, divided in their lands, everyone after his tongue after their families and their nations. Verse 8, And Cush begat Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one in the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Wherefore it is said, Even as Nimrod the mighty hunter before the Lord. 
and the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. All right? So what takes place in chapter 10 is we find out about this guy, Nimrod, right? Notice. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. When we get over to chapter 11, what happens is we see this tower, right? So in Genesis chapter 11, notice in verse 1. And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain, a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them throughly. And they had brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Now, there's a few things that I want us to be able to see here real quick. This city is Babel. And uh, what's interesting is, what's he say? We're going to build a city and a what? Tower. Now, what's interesting is, the very first city that's ever built. By the way... God created the earth and heaven for him to inhabit. Where is he going to inhabit in the earth? In a city, right? So the very first city that we see in Scripture is actually built by who? Cain. Now, pause here real quick. Let's go back because I want us to be able to see this um, real quick. Genesis chapter 4. We know the story, hopefully, about Cain killing Abel. Notice in verse 11. Genesis chapter 4, verse 11. This is right after um, he slew Abel. Notice in verse 11. And now art thou cursed from the earth which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee uh, her strength. Notice, a fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. Now, what's it mean to be a vagabond? You're traveling, and you don't, you're not going to set up camp in one place, right? God tells God tells Cain, "You're going to be a you're going to be a what a fugitive and a vagabond. You're not going to have one particular place that's going to be your dwelling place." Now, what's interesting is he tells God, "I might get killed, so is there a way for you to prevent me from being killed by all these people?" And so, what God does is puts a mark on him to prevent him from being murdered. So, what's interesting is is he says. I'm going to go do this and I'm going to go walking around so I'm worried about my life and God does that to help protect him. That's an interesting thing. You see that in verse 15. But notice in verse 16. The very first thing that Cain does, verse 16, and Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and what? Dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. You know what he did? I'm going, to go, I'm going to go live in this place and I'm not going to go around. God just protected you. 
He put a mark on you to protect you. And in complete and total defiance to what God said, he says, I'm going to go and I'm going to dwell in this land of Nod. Notice, it gets worse. Verse 7, And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare, bare Enoch. And he built a city. If you build a city, do you plan on leaving and being a vagabond walking around just traveling? No. You're setting up stakes and you're, pl you're planting your roots, right? And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch and built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. And unto Enoch was born, and he gives us that stuff. Notice, <clears throat> drop, down, um, drop down to verse 20. And Adah bare Jabal, he was the father of such as dwell in tents and of such as have cattle. Notice what you have there. You've got cattle now. What have they done in this city? Now they have agriculture. They've got husbandry, right? Notice, and his brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all as such as handle the harp and organ. What do they have? Music, art, all this stuff, right? Entertainment. And Zelah, she also bare Tubalcain, an instructor of every artificer in brass and iron, and the sister of Tubalcain was Namah. Now what do they have there? Metallurgy. They're, they're, they're building things. You've got industrialization here in this city where God told him, you're going to be a vagabond, and what's he do? He goes and he builds this city, and he sets this up and says, I'm going to stay here. In complete and total defiance against God. That's the first city. Notice, keep on going. And Lamech said unto his wives, Adah and Zelah, Hear my voice, ye wives of Lamech. Hearken unto my speech. For I have slain a man to my wounding, and a young man to my hurt. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech seventy and sevenfold. You know what they have there? They have a, they have a system that will take care of what? If you wrong me, I'm going to take your life. You've got, you've, got, you've got a governmental system that they're starting to set up here, a military type thing. That was the very first city. In Scripture, it was completely and totally built against God. That was the purpose of it. So then, when we get over here to Genesis chapter 11, Nimrod says, I want to build a city, and I want to build a tower. Notice in verse 4, And they said, Go, let us build a city. So what they're going to do is what? Well, what's the other city that they know about? The one that's named after Enoch. So what are they going to do? They're going to have art and music. They're going to have industrialization. They're going to have metallurgy. They're going to have all these same things because they're going to look and say, well, that's a city. That's what we want to build here. And this is the beginning of Nimrod's kingdom. Not only that, and a tower. Now, what happens here, so you've got, you've got a city that's going to be your government. And that tower is going to be what? What's the purpose of the tower? That they may reach what? That's their religious system. That's what they're doing. They're setting up their religious system. They're going to say, we're going to build a city and we're going to build a tower. And that's exactly what they're doing. What's the main purpose of it? Let us make a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. What was the reason, what was it that God told Cain that he was going to be a vagabond, that he was going to be what? To and fro, never have a certain dwelling place. And he says, well, 
I'm going to go build a city and I'm going to live there. So what's Nimrod's decision is what? I'm going to build a city so that we're not scattered. I want to bring everybody here so we're not all scattered all over the place. What's interesting is, verse 5, And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. Now, pause there for a second and think about this. You remember over in Acts chapter 17, we talked about this before, we talked about it this morning. What was one of the things that Paul told those folks is what? God does not dwell in the temple made by hands. Isn't it interesting that God says that this is a city and a tower which children of men builded? So hopefully we know that there is a city that God built. And He gave Moses the blueprint to that. And one of these days, that city will come down and be placed on this earth. And it's going to match it perfectly. Without sin, obviously. That's the original city. And that's what Cain and that's what Nimrod is trying to do is to build their own city to where they would be. Now, who else do you know of that said, I want to do some things or I will do some things? Lucifer did. Then he fell because of pride. Now, notice this, verse 6, And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one. And they have all one language, and this they begin to do. What's interesting, to me I find this interesting. He says, they have all one language, they're all one, and this they begin to do. That's the thing that they choose to do. They're all together, they all have, they're all working together, and that's the thing they choose to do is to build a city and a tower. Not what God's wanting to do but what they wanted to do. To me, I find that interesting. And he says, This they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. To me, that's interesting. You know what he says? They can't be stopped now. Whatever they can imagine to do. The thing about that is, is what do we know about the hearts of those people or what? It's, it's wicked, right? So what's it going to do? You know, it's interesting. People always say, follow your heart. Never follow your heart because your heart is deceitful and wicked. We know that. But that's that, that's that issue. So that's what they're wanting to do. Notice verse 7. Go to, let us go down. And there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them from abroad, scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build to build the city. His whole goal was to do what? He said, Go and replenish the earth, not one place. Notice in verse nine. Therefore is the name of it called Babel. Because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them from abroad upon the face of all the earth. So what you have here is that city of Babel, that Tower of Babel. What's interesting in chapter 12, what, what takes place is God says, Abram, get thee from thy kindred and from thy people 
and from thy country, and I'm going to do something special for you. Now, this gets us back to what we're doing a minute ago. So go back to Romans chapter 2. All right. The good news is we're about 24 minutes in. The bad news is we've got one verse on my note card. That's not good. Um, notice here in, 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 in Romans chapter 2. It'll, it'll pick up, I promise. Genesis chapter 2, verse 14. For when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law. Now, real quick question. We know that there is a difference between the circumcision and the uncircumcision. Part of the issue between them is that the circumcision had the law and those folks down here did not, right? But what's interesting is Paul says what? For when the Gentiles which have not the law do those things that are contained in the law, what happens? They're a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts. Go real quick to Romans chapter 4. What is the work of the law? Romans chapter 4, verse 15. Romans 4.15, because the law worketh what? Wrath. Wrath. And the promise made of none effect. So what is the work of the law that's written in their hearts is what? Wrath. That's what it's going to produce. So then when you go over to Romans chapter 1 and you start reading through, starting off in verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. What God did back here after Genesis chapter 11, when he calls out Abram in Genesis chapter 12, he says, Gentiles, you're on your own. We see this here. Notice verse 24. Wherefore, God also gave them up. Verse 25. uh, Verse 26. For this cause God gave them up. Verse 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Do you know what God said? I'm going to leave you to yourself. I'm going to go and create a nation, and I'm going to show everybody what it's like to have me as their God. Because what did they have down here was bell worship. Now, that's what we're going to be looking at a lot as we go through here, because what's going to happen is you've got, that's where it's first introduced is with Nimrod. We're going to take a look at some of those things as we go through. But I want you to think about this. This goes back to Genesis chapter 3, really, and really chapter 4. When God tells Adam, this tree, don't eat of it. What was his one job to do with Eve? Eve, that tree out there, we don't eat of it. Why? Because I said so? No, because God said so. And what we're going to do is we're going to live by faith based on what God said. We're not going to partake of that tree. What happened? I'm going to say he didn't do that because she did partake of it. And not only that, what was worse is she convinced him to partake of it. So then that's one of those things Adam has a biblical principle that he gets from God 
And does he water it down with Eve? Well, what happens with Cain and Abel? Abel knows what? I'm supposed to go and sacrifice one of my animals and give that to God because that's what I'm told now to do. What did Cain do? Not that. He said, here's work that I've done out of the ground. Here's mine. And God says, I'm going to refuse yours, but I'm going to take Abel's. And that's, what, that's why Cain slew Abel. So what do we see? That one generation from Adam to Abel and Cain, something missed. You kind of hate to say, that's strike two, Adam. <laughs> so then, what do you think would happen with Cain's children? We're not going to go and live based off of sacrificing animals. We're going to go and build this city and we're going to raise this city up and do all this other stuff. And what happens is, the result of it, you get over here to the Tower of Babel and they've got this Baal worship that they've brought in. So just in a short period of time, 2,000 years I should say, they go from, here's the animal sacrifice you have to give because you got kicked out of the garden. And now you're over here not worshiping the God that created all. Now, that's the Gentiles. That's the result. Now, if you read verses 17 through 29 in Romans chapter 2, we find out about Israel. Now, I don't want to go through that yet. Let's go back real quick to couple places I want to get. Get Jeremiah chapter 44. Jeremiah 44 and get um, Judges chapter 2. And in case you're not sure, it's Joshua, Judges, and then Ruth. So if you get to Joshua, you're right there. So... Jeremiah 44 and Judges chapter 2. Hmm? Judges chapter 2 and Jeremiah 44. Do we need more uh, bookmarks? or? <laughs> So Judges chapter 2 and Jeremiah chapter 44. Now, we've already talked about the Gentiles, what happened with them. right? God sets Abraham off to the side and says, I want to do something with you all. Okay? And again, this does go back to this process. right? And we'll talk about that and connect that a little bit later on. So, we get over to this part. <clears throat> And let's start off in, in Judges chapter 2. Now, you stop and you think for a second. As soon as God gets, gets the nation of Israel, and they actually become a nation out of Egypt, right? We talked about that. That's the idea of them being born as a nation. That's when it took place for them. They were set aside and they were, God saying, I want to do something, you're now a nation. They went in, very few people, they come out millions, and God says, you're now a nation. And Moses goes up into the mountain. He gets the Ten Commandments and he starts to come down. And what's he see? 
Aaron said, bring all your gold, all your stuff. We're going to build this calf. And that's exactly what they did. And he said, this is the God that got you out of Egypt. Didn't take long. <laughs> they just got through going through, you know, you think about this. They're still in that springtime. They just came out as a nation. They were just born as a nation. They're still young. And they're expecting, all right, everything's going to be good now. And they tell Moses what? You just brought us out here to die. They've not gotten to the park yet. Right? You think, okay, it gets better because of what God does for them. Well, notice here in Judges chapter 2. By the way, by the time we get to Judges chapter 2, Baal worship's already inside the nation of Israel as well, not just out with the Gentiles. And what happens in Joshua, we'll go back to Joshua maybe today or tomorrow or next week. But if you go back to Joshua, what you find out is Joshua was supposed to get rid of all those people, all the Baal worshipers. And since they didn't, what happens is they're still here in Judges chapter 2. Notice in Judges chapter 2. Start off here in verse 1. And an angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bosham and said, I made you to go up out of Egypt and have brought you unto the land which I swear unto your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. Wouldn't that be something that you would say, you know... I think I'm going to believe what you said because that's the issue. Faith is taking God as His Word. Verse 2, And you shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land. You shall throw down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Wherefore I also said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a snare unto you. And it came to pass when the angel of the Lord spake these words unto all the children of Israel that the people lifted up their voice voice and wept. And they called the name of the place Bosham, and they sacrificed there unto the Lord. And when Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel went every man unto his inheritance to possess the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. And all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for, for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being an hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnath Harris, in the Mount of Ephraim, on the north side of the, of the hill Gash. And also all that, that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them. Now, here's where we start getting into this issue, right? What did we find out about the folks in the days of Joshua? <coughs> Verse 7, they did what? They served the Lord. What happens is, Joshua dies, and then there's those of his generation, they went unto the fathers as well. They also died. But notice in the middle of verse 10, and there arose another generation after them, notice, which knew not the Lord. Now you stop and you think about that for a second. You've got a generation that serves the Lord, and as soon as they're gone, the generation that comes behind them don't even know the Lord. 
kind of reminds me of what we dealt with with Adam and Cain and Abel and all that. We see that, right? So then that kind of reminds me of where we are in America right now too. Now, <clears throat> when we look at what took place in our country over the years, um, what was it, in the 20s and through the 40s, somewhere around in there, uh, even in even a little bit later on, you had people in this country teaching and preaching the same thing that we're teaching and preaching today. All over the country. And people knew about it. They didn't like it, but they knew about it. And the interesting thing is, <coughs> people would actually study their Bible enough that they would even say, yeah, I agree with you, but I can't teach that because I'll lose my job. There's a book, uh, it's changed names. There's a book that Stam wrote years ago called The Controversy, and it's just letters that he sent out in correspondence between him and other men um, about certain issues. <clears throat> if you've never read that book, and of course it's got a different name now, if you'd like a PDF copy of it, let me know, I can get it to you. But what it is is, it's every topic that you can imagine that people bring up with us and how he dealt with it with other people. Whatever the topic is, he's dealt with it. Now, <clears throat> we've gotten now here to 2022, and there's very few of us around anymore. We're still here, but there's very few. Now, the reason it happened is because of as the culture comes along, what happens is they either say, yeah, we'll tolerate it, or yeah, we don't like it, yeah, we're going to destroy that, or we're going to replace it. Now, there's bad news in the fact that that's what's going to continue to happen. But the good news is, is we don't, we what? We continue to preach the word. And couldn't you say since the beginning they both they've replaced it with what they wanted to say? Yeah, and it's always been that way. And they would replace it with what they wanted to say, yeah. But notice here, <clears throat> what do we have? We've got a generation, Joshua and his generation, what? They served the Lord. They'd seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. We get down here at the end of verse 10, it says what? After them, um, there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, <clears throat> nor yet the works which He had done for Israel. Do you know what that reminds me of? I don't see God out here healing people, so I don't believe God did it. I don't see, I don't see people doing things, so I'm not going to believe it. That's kind of what this is. You know, it's the old, it's the old thing with... I hate this this illustration that just popped in my head. So one of the big debates in basketball is, is Michael Jordan the greatest player ever is LeBron James? Well, kids that watch LeBron James have never seen Michael Jordan play. They don't know what he played like. And the people that like, like him didn't know how, didn't watch Dr. J play. So there's always this thing of, you always, you just know what you know now, oftentimes, and you don't really understand everything that came before you that's kind of what i see here right <clears throat> they didn't see the works of the lord that he'd done for israel he didn't see them coming out of egypt 
This generation didn't see it. This generation didn't see him split the Red Sea in two and they walked through on dry land. <coughs> All they have are what? Stories? Well, that's just a story. That's just a fable. I don't believe that. You're just telling me that. But that's where we are now. Here. Notice. Verse 10. <coughs> And also, all that generation were gathered under their fathers, and there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which He had done for Israel. Notice, and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served who? Balaam. And they forsook the Lord, uh, the Lord God of their fathers, <clears throat> which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods, of the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served what? Baal and Ashtaroth. Now, the interesting thing about Baal and Ashtaroth, that's really your sun god and your moon goddess. Now, you can get into some other things too. You go over to Jeremiah 44, which we'll look at in a second. She's called the Queen of Heaven. You know anybody else that worships the queen of heaven <laughs> yeah so you look at that stuff and you're like that's where that came from it's always been here since way back when and it's always and it's always this fake system that looks like what God did <clears throat> when and we've talked about this before when Moses throws down his staff and it turns into a snake, what does Janus and Jambres do? The exact same thing. Looks just like it, right? When he turns the water into blood, what do they do? Exact same thing. Looks just like it. Paul talks about those who have a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. Well, what's the power? This book. You can say and, and, and talk and act like you've got it, and have this form of godliness and say, well, that person's godly, but if they deny that book, then they don't. That's an interesting thing. Now, we keep on going. <clears throat> go real quick over to Jeremiah 44, where I said to go a second ago, and we'll get this. Jeremiah 44. Let's start off in verse 15. <clears throat> Jeremiah 44. We'll start here in verse... Um, start off in verse four, uh, 14. So that none of the remnant of Judah, which are gone into the land of Egypt to sojourn there, shall escape or remain, that they should re return unto the land of Judah, to the which they have a desire to return to dwell there, for none shall return, but such as shall escape. Then all the men which knew not their wives had burned incense unto, their, unto other gods, and all the women that stood by, a great multitude, even all the people that dwelt in the land of Egypt in Pathros, answered Jeremiah, saying, pause there for a second, they're burning incense to other gods. What's one of the commandments that God gave to Moses? Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. This is, what, this is what Israel's doing. The people that he brought out of Egypt, miraculously. 
Verse 16, As for the word, uh, word that, has, that thou hast spoken unto us in the name of the Lord, we will not hearken unto thee. <laughs> you see that they're just denying, we're not going to hearken unto you. But we certainly do whatsoever thing goeth forth out of our own mouth, to burn incense unto the queen of heaven, and to pour out drink offerings unto her, as we have done, we and our fathers, our kings, and our princes in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. For then had we plenty of victuals and were well and saw no evil. You know, it's interesting. You know how, you know how if you do something and you don't get caught, you're like, I can do that again. And you don't get caught, you're like, I can do that again. That's what they're doing. They're saying... We've done all this stuff. Our fathers have done it. We've seen no evil. Verse 18. But since we left off to burn incense to the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her, we have wanted all things and have consumed by the sword and have been consumed by the sword and by the famine. And when we burned incense to the queen of heaven and poured out drink offerings unto her, did we make her cakes to worship her and pour out drink offerings unto her without our men? This is, I'm looking at this time and it's going by way too quickly, but that's okay. We're just getting started here with this stuff, but I want us to be able to see some of these things. And so what I'm going to ask you all to do is before next week, um, <clears throat> read, and we'll talk about these and go through this, Judges chapter 17, 18, and 19. Now, what's interesting about that is Judges 18 and 19, you start seeing this idolatry showing up and all the stuff that's showing up there. 19 is when you start seeing that tremendous immorality that's a product of that idolatry. Now, you've got to think and understand. We talked about this before. Back over here in, uh, what was it, 2 Corinthians chapter 12? Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul's talking about, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, of, of the spiritual gifts. And he's like, let's talk about that. And he says that you followed after and worshipped these dumb idols as you were led. That was these folks back here that God said, I'm going to leave you be. I'm going to give you over to yourself. By the way, that was the wrath that he's talking about in Romans 1.18. I'm going to give you to yourself. You read Romans 1, 18 through the end of the chapter, and you start seeing what does idolatry produce is the tremendous immorality that we're seeing today in our country. Because the previous culture, it's changing. The idea of... The idea of um, <clears throat> Evolution is we're getting better all the time, right? Well, what it is is man, because of sin, is de-evolution. We see a constant tick down every time with every generation. And it's interesting because what happens is when you're taught by your parents something, you get here and you test it. And you say, do I want to live by theirs or not? Well... <clears throat> You might be told, don't go steal. You're like, you know what? I like to steal, so I'm going to go steal. And that's how you're going to live your life. 
Just one little thing. And you teach your kids, your kid's like, well, mom stole and dad stole, so I get to steal and I'm going to do something else. But it's that constant thing. And it's, always, and it's always like something minor. I mean, you think, minor enough to say, don't eat the fruit. <laughs> minor thing, don't eat the fruit. What happened? Gave up to be king of the, of the earth, because that's what God set Adam up to be, to take a bite of a, of a grape. Gave all that up. And then you see the decline as you go through there. We see it here with the nation of Israel. What are they doing? You've got the, the, the queen of heaven, that's Ashtaroth that they're dealing with there. And all that's part of that bell worship that goes back to Nimrod back in chapter 10 and chapter 11 of Genesis. Which is just a quirk or two away from what Cain had. That, that city that Cain built, the religion that they had, and it was built in complete and total denial of what God said. But we're just getting started on this, and um, what's interesting is we'll see this as we go through. Is God set Israel up to be separated from the from the rest of the nations, and here they are saying, "I want to go be a part of that." So much so that Jeroboam, when we get to talk about Jeroboam, Jeroboam says. <clears throat> I've got, I've got these ten tribes, well, not ten. I've got these tribes up here, the ten tribes, the ten northern tribes. He says, I'm going to take a city, and I'm going to make it just like Jerusalem. And I'm going to have you come here to do the sacrifices so that you don't go down there and stay. Because I want to keep you up here. And so what he does is he institutes bell worship right there in the northern ten tribes. And it's over, they're overtaken with it. And then we find out eventually what happens with them. And uh, again, we'll, we'll pick up and we'll go through all that stuff. And it's interesting. Hopefully we'll see this stuff and then we can move on uh, with how, how we deal with it uh, in our day. And spoiler alert, preach the book. That's how we deal with it. Which means we've got to know the book to go and preach it. All right, so we'll continue on uh, this series uh, for a little while. Uh, again, uh, I would ask you to read Judges 17, 18, and 19 um, and kind of get familiar with that, and we'll take a look at some of those things next time. All right. Um,